Please open your Bibles now to the book of Daniel, chapter 7. I want to read the whole chapter just so you get an overview of it, but we're going to focus only on the verses 1 through 12 this afternoon and carrying on the Lord willing next Lord's Day. We concluded with the uh, words of verse 28 of chapter 6, So this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. That we come to chapter 7. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions of his head while on his bed. Then he wrote down the dream, telling the main facts. Daniel spoke, saying, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea. And four great beasts came up from the sea, each different from the other. The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. I watched till its wings were plucked off. And it was lifted up from the earth and made to stand on two feet like a man. And a man's heart was given to it. And suddenly another beast, a second, like a bear. It was raised up on one side and had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. And they said thus to it, Arise, devour much flesh. After this I looked, and there was another, like a leopard, which had on its back four wings of a bird. The beast also had four heads, and dominion was given to it. After this I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible, exceedingly strong. It had huge iron teeth. It was devouring, breaking in pieces, and trampling the residue with its feet. It was different from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. I was considering the horns. And there was another horn, a little one, coming up among them, before whom three of the first horns were plucked out by the roots. And there in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth speaking pompous words. I watched till thrones were put in place. The Ancient of Days was seated, his garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was a fiery flame, its wheels a burning fire. A fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. A thousand thousands ministered to him, ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated, and the books were opened. I watched then, because of the sound of the pompous words which the horn, horn was speaking, I watched till the beast was slain and its body destroyed and given to the burning flame. As for the rest of the beasts, they had their dominion taken away, yet their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. I was watching in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He came to the Ancient of Days. And they brought him near before him. Then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom the one which shall not be destroyed. I, Daniel, was grieved in my spirit within my body. 
And the visions of my head troubled me. I came near to the one to one of those who stood by and asked him the truth of all this. So he told me and made known to me the interpretation of these things. Those great beasts, which are four, are four kings, which arise out of the earth. But the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, even forever and ever. Then I wish to know the truth about the fourth beast, which was different from all the others, exceedingly dreadful, with its teeth of iron and its nails of bronze, which devoured broken pieces and trampled the residue with its feet, with the ten horns that were on its head, and the other horn which came up before which three fell, namely that horn which had eyes and a mouth, which spoke pompous words, whose appearance was greater than his fellows. I was watching. But the same horn is making war against the saints and prevailing against them until the Ancient of Days came. And a judgment was made in favor of the saints of the Most High. And the time came for the saints to possess the kingdom. Thus he said, the fourth beast shall be a fourth kingdom on earth, which shall be different from all other kingdoms. It shall devour the whole earth, trample it and break it in pieces. The ten horns are ten kings who shall arise from this kingdom. And another shall rise after them. He shall be different from the first ones and shall subdue three kings. He shall speak pompous words against the Most High, shall persecute the saints of the Most High, and shall intend to change times and law. And the saints shall be given into his hand for a time and times and half a time. But the courts shall be seated, and they shall take away his dominion to consume and destroy it forever in the kingdom. And dominion, the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven shall be given to the people, the saints of the Most High. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominion shall serve and obey him. This is the end of the account. As for me, Daniel, my thoughts greatly troubled me, and my countenance changed, but I kept the matter in my heart. So far, the reading of God's holy word. Today, as we come to the second half of the book of Daniel, we notice immediately that there is a significant change in style. The first six chapters are narrative and history, familiar stories that are not difficult to understand. In the first chapters, we follow the life of Daniel from the time that Nebuchadnezzar took the city of Jerusalem and led a group of captives to Babylon through a series of three kings under whom Daniel served. The first six chapters cover Daniel's life in chronological order from when he was a teenager, 14 to 17 years old, to when he was probably 80 years old. It covers a span of about 65 years, dealing with certain historical events from Daniel's years of service in Babylon. In the second part of this book, the style changes from narrative and history to a record of dreams and visions. The style changes completely. Like the book of Revelation, it is filled with symbols, pictures, and images. The language is often mysterious and puzzling, yet at the same time, rather intriguing and thought-provoking. 
chapters 7 through 12 portray the conflict between the powers of darkness, the spiritual hosts of wickedness, and the power of God. These chapters contain a pictorial representation of history. In the midst of what seems to be chaos, the Lord is on the throne accomplishing His good purposes. In His time, He will end the rule of evil and usher in the everlasting kingdom of righteousness. Through these dreams and visions, the Lord showed Daniel that human history is regulated by a heavenly court. Nations rise and nations fall, but the kingdom of God endures forever. That which is recorded in this seventh chapter is a vision of both terror and triumph. We want to consider, first of all, the significance of the four beasts, and secondly, the supremacy of the Ancient of Days. Next Lord's Day, we hope to ponder the vision of one like the Son of Man, as well as the response to the vision. We begin with the significance of the four beasts. Our chapter begins by taking us back in time from where we were at the end of chapter 6. Chapter 6 concludes with the reigns of Darius and Cyrus the Persian. Chapter 7 skips back, rewinds to something that happened in the first year of Belshazzar. You'll recall that Belshazzar was the king who defied the God of Israel by drinking out of the gold and silver vessels which had been taken from the temple in Jerusalem. That happened on the last night of his reign. The Lord removed the kingdom from him and gave it to Darius the Mede. This vision took place in the first year of Belshazzar's reign when the Babylonian Empire was still standing. While lying on his bed at night, Daniel had a dream. When he woke up, he wrote down the main points, leaving out the secondary details. He knew that it was more than just an ordinary dream. This was divine revelation which had to be recorded and preserved. Let's have a look. The dream starts by describing what? A great agitated sea. The four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea. The sea signifies mankind. It is a picture of humanity in its godless, unstable condition. The sea often depicts the restlessness of sinful men. It is from the sea that the four beasts emerge. They represent four kingdoms which arise out of the earth according to verse 17. I think it is significant that the four winds of verse 2 are called the four winds of heaven. That which occurs on earth is sovereignly controlled by the powers of heaven. What appears to be a chaotic, disorderly succession of kingdoms is in fact sovereignly controlled by God as he rules history. It is the powers of heaven that stir up the great sea. What takes place on earth cannot occur apart from God. In God's world, nothing is accidental. For believers, this is a very comforting truth, isn't it? What occurs among the kingdoms of men is decreed by God. He rules history in His sovereign providence. 
We'll see more of that in a moment. Out of this great sea, Daniel saw four fearsome creatures emerge, each one quite different from the others. The first three are recognizable. A lion, a bear, and a leopard. The fourth creature defies description. It is dreadful and terrible. Now, to get a better grasp on what this is all about, we need to understand that the material in this chapter is parallel. It is parallel to the vision of Nebuchadnezzar recorded in chapter 2. Nebuchadnezzar's dream of a great statue made up of various materials corresponds to the four beasts of Daniel's vision. The four sections of the statue represent four kingdoms. The four beasts represent the same four kingdoms. The first beast, which is like a lion, corresponds to the golden head of Nebuchadnezzar's statue. The golden head of the statue represented the Babylonian Empire. So also the lion represents the Babylonian Empire. Look with me, please, in your Bibles to verse 4 of chapter 7. Verse 4. Daniel said, The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. I watched till its wings were plucked off, and it was lifted up from the earth and made to stand on two feet like a man, and a man's heart was given to it. The prophets Jeremiah and Ezekiel compared Nebuchadnezzar to both the lion and the eagle. It was the lion and the eagle that symbolized Babylon. Both sides of the street leading up to the great Ishtar gate of Babylon had a tiled wall upon which could be seen a procession of lions leading up to the gate. The symbol of the lion and the eagle are well known through archaeological discoveries. The first beast of Daniel's vision is undoubtedly Babylon. The tearing off of the wings by some invisible hand seems to symbolize the humbling of Nebuchadnezzar when he was driven from his throne into the fields and made to live like the beast during his years of insanity. When verse 4 says that this beast was lifted up from the earth and made to stand on two feet like a man, and a man's heart was given to it, it reminds us of the restoration of the proud king. His reason, his sanity was restored. Then the second beast, which was like a bear, corresponds to the silver portions of the statue in Nebuchadnezzar's dream. The chest and arms of silver was the Medo-Persian Empire. So also the bear represents the kingdom of the Medes and Persians. Go down to verse 5. And suddenly another beast, a second, like a bear. It was raised up on one side and had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. And they said thus to it, Arise, devour much flesh. Now notice three things briefly about this second beast. First of all, the bear stands in such a way that both of its legs on the one side are off the ground, as though it's ready to go forward. Just exactly what this signifies is not clear. It could be the reference to the imbalance of power in the Medo-Persian Empire. Secondly, this bear also has three ribs in its mouth. It is a beast of destruction. It's a beast that devours. The Medo-Persian Empire was certainly a nation hungry for conquest. 
In line with this, we see thirdly, that voices commanded this bear, end of verse 5, to arise and devour much flesh, or get up and eat your fill of flesh. This means that the Medo-Persians were under orders to defeat and conquer many nations. And conquer they did. Under Darius and Cyrus, one territory after another was defeated. They conquered the, the Lydian kingdom in Asia Minor. They conquered Babylon. They conquered Egypt. They extended the kingdom far and wide. This is what it means to devour much flesh. Eat your fill of flesh. Then, in addition to a lion and a bear, Daniel also saw a third beast, like a leopard. Like a leopard. This third beast corresponds to the belly and thighs of bronze on the statue in Nebuchadnezzar's dream. The belly and thighs of bronze represented what? The Greek empire established by Alexander the Great. So also the leopard represents the mighty kingdom of the Greeks. Let's read verse 8. Verse 6. After this I looked, and there was another like a leopard, which had on its back four wings of a bird. The beast also had four heads, and dominion was given to it. Like a leopard, the Greek empire swiftly came upon the prey. A leopard is known for its great speed. Alexander the Great, in a very short time period, extended the sway of his empire far and wide. In biblical symbolism, the number four often expresses the idea of universality. It speaks of the world. The Bible uses such expressions as the four corners of the earth and the four winds. The Greek Empire was not only a kingdom that conquered swiftly, but also a kingdom which conquered the world. The four heads and four wings are an expression of both swiftness and universal dominion. Alexander the Great died lamenting the fact that there were no more worlds to conquer. Yes, dominion was given to it. It was given authority to rule. Incidentally, some also believe that the four heads of the leopard represent the four generals who divided Alexander's empire after his death. Now, brothers and sisters, before we go on to the fourth beast, I want to draw your attention to one significant point. As powerful as the lion, bear, and leopard may appear to be, none of them hold ultimate authority. Ultimate Sovereignty. Notice, in your Bibles, notice the lion was lifted up and made to stand, verse 4. The bear was given a command to arise, devour much flesh, end of verse 5. And the leopard was given dominion, end of verse 6. It is clear that each of these ferocious beasts are subject to a higher power. There is one who is superior to Nebuchadnezzar, Belshazzar, Darius, Cyrus, or Alexander the Great. There is one who tells these kings and kingdoms what to do. All of them are subject to who? The God of heaven. The God of heaven. 
Congregation, if you meditate upon this, it should be a source of great encouragement. When you read or watch the news, it's tempting to think that evil's out of control. It's easy to tremble before the powers of the kingdoms of this world. Terrorism, wars, the increase of Islam, nuclear and chemical weapons in North Korea, instability in the Middle East, the oppression of communism, the power of China, the moral and spiritual ruin of the Western world. Brothers and sisters, we need to keep in mind that the world powers are subject to a higher power. God allows the forces of evil to continue only so long, and then he terminates them. The lion, the bear, and the leopard are all subject to him. Also today, whether it's President Biden, Prime Minister Trudeau, Vladimir Putin, Kim Jong-un, or any other leader or nation, they are all subject to a superior power. You see, the world is under God's control. The world is under God's control. Whether it's Alexander the Great, Hitler, Stalin, Mussolini, they are all under a higher power. Sometimes God allows them to devour much flesh, but only as far as he permits. He is Lord. He is Lord. We go on then to the fourth beast to rise from the sea. The fourth beast is the most terrible of all. Verse 7 tells us that it was different from all the beasts that were before it. It is really beyond description, a monster that conquers, devours, crushes, and tramples. The final beast of Daniel's dream corresponds to the legs, feet, and toes of Nebuchadnezzar's image. It represents the Roman Empire. As the legs of the statue in Nebuchadnezzar's dream were iron, so the teeth of this beast were huge iron teeth. The legs, the iron legs of the image and the iron teeth of this beast represent the crushing power of Rome. Verse 40 of Daniel chapter 2 says this, listen. And the fourth kingdom shall be as strong as iron. Inasmuch as iron breaks in pieces and shatters everything, and like iron that crushes, that kingdom will break in pieces and crush all the others. The Roman Empire grew to be a mighty kingdom which shattered, devoured, crushed, and trampled everything in its path. The power of the fourth beast is the power of Rome, exceedingly strong. In verse 7, we notice that this monster has ten horns. These ten horns represent a later stage in the history of this empire. Verse 24 says that the ten horns are ten kings who shall arise from this kingdom. Now, here it becomes rather complicated and much scholarly debate has taken place regarding these verses. Rather than getting lost in searching out the details, we ought to try to determine the central thrust of the passage. Instead of trying to precisely identify these ten horns, which has proven to be a difficult, if not impossible, task, it is probably better to view these ten horns as a period following the historical Roman Empire. 
The number 10 is perhaps a symbolic number, a symbol of completeness. It probably represents various political powers that follow in the wake of Rome. From these political powers comes what? The little horn. Look with me, please, to verse 8. I was considering the horns, and there was another horn, a little one, coming up among them, before whom three of the first horns were plucked out by the roots. And there, in this horn, were eyes, like the eyes of a man, and a mouth speaking pompous words, or a mouth that spoke boastfully. Daniel's attention was drawn away from the ten horns to that one little horn. This little horn appears to represent an individual, an individual filled with pride and self-glory. Verse 24 tells us that the little horn arises from among the ten and subdues some of them. He is a powerful figure, and yet he is only a man. He is the eyes of a man and a mouth speaking pompous words. As you read on, you see that it is a blasphemous, arrogant, puffed up individual. It is one who opposes God, his kingdom, his people, and his glory. Because this little horn is ruling at the time of Judgment Day, theologians identify it as an Old Testament introduction to the individual described in the New Testament as the Antichrist. The Antichrist. Keep your finger in, please, at Daniel 7 and turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Thessalonians 2. 2 Thessalonians 2. Paul here in 2 Thessalonians 2 is talking about a great apostasy in the day of Christ. And notice what he says here. I'll begin reading at 2 Thessalonians 2 and verse 3. 2 Thessalonians 2 and verse 3. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin or the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of perdition. Verse 4. Who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God, or proclaiming himself to be God. Now go down to verse 9. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan, with all power, signs, and lying wonders. And with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. I believe that the little horn of Daniel 7 is the son of perdition, the man of sin, the lawless one, the one who exalts himself above God. Hopefully more about that next week. What we have then in the seventh chapter of Daniel is a survey of human history from the time of Daniel to the return of Jesus and the end of the world. Let me say that again. What we have in the seventh chapter of Daniel is a survey of human history from the time of Daniel to the return of Jesus and the end of the world. In this vision, Daniel saw that 
Four great kingdoms would arise one after the other. These would be followed by a number of kingdoms symbolized by the ten horns. Then finally, there is the arrival of a single blasphemous individual, the enemy of God and his people, one who stands in bold and arrogant opposition to the kingdom of God. The vision describes the kingdoms of this world from the time of Babylon to the second coming of Jesus Christ. If we understand the vision this way, then the period in which you and I are living is the period symbolized by the ten horns. The kingdom of Babylon has fallen. The kingdom of the Medes and Persians has fallen. The Greek Empire has fallen. The Roman Empire has fallen. And we are currently living in the period of the ten horns, anticipating the evil work of the little horn, which precedes the second coming of Jesus Christ. But now, congregation, when we come to verse 9... We notice that Daniel's vision suddenly fades out. The vision of the four beasts and the little horn disappears. And another vision is impressed upon his mind. The scene changes from a survey of history to a vision of the Lord of history. A vision of the Ancient of Days and His supremacy. Look with me to verse 9. I watched till thrones were put in place and the Ancient of Days was seated. His garment was white as snow and the hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was a fiery flame, its wheels a burning fire. In verse 8, Daniel heard the little horn speaking its arrogant blasphemies. In verse 9, his eyes were lifted to heaven where he saw the heavenly court assembled and the Ancient of Days, the Lord himself, sitting upon his throne of judgment. The contrast, dear friends, the contrast between verse 8 and verse 9 is remarkable. Verse 8 portrays the culmination of evil through the pompous words of the little horn. In verse 9, the curtain that hides the glory of God is momentarily drawn back. And we are given a brief look into the throne room of the universe. While the little horn is vile and evil, the ancient of days is described in symbols of righteousness and purity. He wears a garment as white as snow. The hair of his head was like pure wool. It's a vivid picture, a very vivid picture of purity and dignity. It is a picture, brothers and sisters, that should thrill the heart of every believer. While world history runs its course, the Ancient of Days rules over all. He is seated upon his throne, unaffected by earthly events. The pompous words of the little horn cannot dethrone the Ancient of Days. Through this vision of the heavenly court, Daniel was reminded that ultimate authority does not reside in Babylon, Persia, Greece, or Rome. The Lord rules over all, and evil will be judged and punished. Ultimate and supreme authority belongs to God 
alone. How does verse 9 describe his throne? Verses 9 and 10 describe it as a fiery flame. Its wheels a burning fire, a fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. A river of fire, a river of fire. This is the imagery of divine judgment. Streaming from the throne is the power to destroy all that oppose. Surrounding the throne are a multitude of glorious creatures, 10,000 times 10,000, a thousand thousands minister to him. The end of verse 10 says, the court was seated and the books were opened. The books which record the actions of every human being, everything you have ever thought, said, or done. As Daniel watched, he saw that the beast and all that came from it were defeated. The beast was slain, verse 11, and its body destroyed and given to the burning flame. Now, congregation, pause here for just a moment and imagine what this vision must have meant for Daniel. Throughout his many years in Babylon, he often had to stand alone for God. He had to stand before Belshazzar to predict the imminent death of this blasphemous king. During the reign of Darius, he had to face the lion's den for praying to his God, contrary to the king's decree. Where did Daniel get the strength to stand before Belshazzar? Where did he receive the courage to face the lion's den? I think we have part of the answer right here. In the vision of the ancient of days. Daniel was able to stand alone for God because he knew that with God he was never alone. He received a wonderful vision of the triumph of the Lord. 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. Daniel must have realized that he was never alone. He who sat upon the heavenly throne would never forsake him. Therefore, the powers of evil could never defeat him. Congregation, believers throughout the ages have experienced situations in which they have had to stand alone for God. Some have had to stand alone before the authorities in communist countries. Others have had to stand alone in their home as they lived among unbelieving family members. Still others have had to stand alone in their school, in the university, at work, at community events. Perhaps some of you find yourself in that situation. Maybe you have difficult decisions to make. Where are you going to find the strength to persevere, to press on, to persist? God has given you this vision of himself and his throne so that you never have to feel alone and isolated. You're able to view every situation from above, from God's perspective. Daniel could face Belshazzar. 
knowing that God was on the fiery throne. He could face the lions knowing that God was on the throne. And you also, brothers and sisters, you can face the trials of life in this broken and topsy-turvy world knowing that God is on the throne. For the latter days, there were many trials and persecutions for the people of God. We will consider more of that next Lord's Day. Yes, the little horn that speaks pompous words will persecute the saints of the Most High. But the Ancient of Days remains on His throne in glory. The day of reckoning will come. The books will be opened and the actions of every human being will be judged. The fire that issues from His throne will consume all evil. Anything that is stained by sin will be destroyed by the Ancient of Days. No unrepentant, unforgiven sinner will survive before that fiery throne. He who is described as being clothed in white garments as white as snow and hair like pure wool, symbols of righteousness, he will not allow anything that is unrighteous in his presence. Congregation, these four beasts depicted in the first eight verses are dreadful, especially the fourth beast and the little horn. But please hear this. Even more frightening than all the beasts combined is the Ancient of Days upon His fiery throne. Yes, He is more frightful than all the beasts combined. He is not dreaded by believers. For believers are also clothed in white garments. How? Through faith in the one who was unjustly arrested, accused, tried, and crucified under the sway of the fourth beast, Rome. You can be clothed with spotless garments through the imputed, transferred, perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ. Through faith in Him, you are dressed like the Ancient of Days. Think about that. Through faith in Him, you are dressed like the Ancient of Days. If you've put your trust in Christ, you are seen as perfectly pure and righteous, white as snow. But for those who do not love Jesus Christ, for those who reject Him, the vision of the Ancient of Days should be the most terrifying vision imaginable. For who can approach His fiery throne if you're not dressed as He is? Who can approach His throne without being clothed in the righteousness of Jesus? Who can approach his throne without being destroyed by the fiery stream that issues forth? Who can approach his throne when the books are opened? For those who reject Jesus Christ, there is no hope. Absolutely no hope whatsoever. So I ask you this afternoon, do you love him? Have you trusted Him? Are you dressed in white garments? That clothing that is white as snow. Are you ready to meet the Ancient of Days?
Are you prepared to stand before his flaming throne? Are you ready for the opening of the books in the heavenly courtroom? Are you ready to have your entire life exposed before the scrutiny of divine justice? Please listen. If you are not clothed with the righteousness of Jesus Christ, if you are not dressed just like the Ancient of Days, white as snow, through faith in the perfect, blameless, sinless Savior, the unblemished Lamb of God, then you have good reason to be afraid. Yes, you ought to be utterly terrified To face the Ancient of Days clothed in your filthy rags of sin is the most terrible thing that you could possibly imagine. Brothers and sisters, we are moving toward the day when the world as we know it will be no more. In the book of Revelation, chapter 6, when the sixth seal was opened, the sky receded as a scroll when it is rolled up, and every mountain and island was moved out of its place. And the kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave and every free man, hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne. For the great day of his wrath has come, and who is able to stand? Hide us, hide us, oh, hide us from the Eternal One, the Ancient of Days. Hide us from him who sits on his fiery throne. Yes, people of God, in the end, the wicked will be judged. All the evil powers that have raised their ugly heads throughout history will be destroyed and given to the burning flame. Sometimes when we observe the events in the world, we are tempted to think that there is no order, no structure, no purpose, no meaning, and that the events of history are rather disjointed and chaotic. But that is not the case. Kings rise and kings fall. Nebuchadnezzar, Belshazzar, Darius, Cyrus, Alexander the Great, the Roman emperors, but above them all is the Lord of history before whom all will render an account. Above them all is the Ancient of Days, the majestic and sovereign eternal king of the universe. Congregation, whatever difficulties you may face, remember the ancient of days. When the newspapers report wars and rumors of wars, remember the ancient of days. Where's Babylon today? Where is Medo-Persia? Where is the glory of Greece and Rome? All these kingdoms are gone. They're gone. For they were human kingdoms, temporary kingdoms. And all the kingdoms today who exalt themselves will become like them. Then never lose sight of the Lord of history. 
When you become fearful or discouraged as a Christian, take a look into that throne room of the universe. Take a look at the one on the throne. Take a look at the Ancient of Days. Take a look at the fire that issues from his throne, a river of fire. And then go on with steady confidence, knowing that the Lord reigns. He is supreme. Our shield and defender, the ancient of days, pavilioned in splendor and girded with praise. What an awesome, glorious God and King we serve. Amen? Let us pray. Lord, what a comfort for those who have received the righteousness of Jesus to know that our God reigns. You are on the throne. In the midst of many things in our own world that discourage us, hearing what's, what goes on throughout the world, and yet, Lord, in the midst of it all, there is nothing that takes you by surprise. You are orchestrating, directing all things to their appointed end. Lord, as we think of that little horn, of the pompous, arrogant words that it speaks, that it's opposition to the Most High, Lord, sometimes our hearts can become rather fearful. And we think of what your word says about the end times, and yet in the midst of it all, you are on the throne. Help us to remember that. Lord, give us eyes of faith to look into the throne room of the universe that our fears may be stilled, that our anxiety may be settled, that we may see that under your authority, all is well. And so, Lord, we pray that you would give us eyes of faith to behold the Ancient of Days. And if there is anyone here who is not clothed in that perfect righteousness of Jesus, if there is one who does not at this moment look like the Ancient of Days, white as snow, we pray that in your mercy you would grant that gift that each and every person here may know the Lord Jesus and love him and in your sight resemble the ancient of days. Receive our praises, Lord, as we conclude this service and as we go on into a, another work week Lord, we may be able to say the Lord reigns. Let the peoples tremble. He dwells between the cherubim. Let the earth be moved. The Lord is great in Zion. He is high above all the peoples. May we praise your great 
and awesome name, you are holy. Amen.